Hey, if you're coming in, um, go ahead and find a seat next to someone because today is going to be pretty um, somewhat interactive. You'll need someone next to you um, to talk with. All right. Since we have been uh, having our evangelism training class the past three weeks or so, um, and really even before that began, wow, this is definitely weighted over here. I think I should just turn the pulpit. No one over there. Um, That's okay. There we go. I'll just direct this way. Um, Even before that evangelism training class started, God has really been uh, working in my heart about the centrality of the gospel for my life as a follower of Jesus. Um, and one of the primary means um, by which uh, I've received encouragement on this topic has been this book. Um, this is actually a booklet, a smaller form of it. It's called A Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. Um, some of what I'm going to cover today is actually uh, based off his primary thesis in the book that um, we must preach the gospel to ourselves on a daily basis. Preach the gospel to ourselves. So, um, in his introduction, um, Vincent says this, Over the course of time, preaching the gospel to myself every day has made more of a difference in my life than any other discipline I've ever practiced. I find myself sinning less, But just as importantly, I find myself recovering my footing more quickly after sinning due to the immediate comfort comfort found in the gospel. I've also found that when I I am absorbed in the gospel, everything else I am supposed to be toward God and others seems to flow out of me more naturally and passionately. Doing right is not always easy, but it is never more easy than when one is breathing deeply the atmosphere of the gospel. How many of you have ever gone deep sea diving? Oh, we do have one. Wow, I was, I was wondering. I, I think that sounds terrifying to me um, to, go, to go way down under the water. But um, I suppose if you, um, you, know, you have your oxygen tank, you have some sort of weapon to defend yourself, um, it, could be, it could be just fun. It could be actually fun. Have you ever gone through a week and kind of felt like you're, you're underwater without oxygen? kind of gasping for breath. And then you come here on Sundays and it's like, it's like coming to the surface for air. Um, why is that? I think that part of the reason is because on Sundays we are taking time to breathe in deeply the atmosphere of the gospel. We sing about it. Um, we pray and thank God for it. We preach about it. In some ways the gospel is kind of like oxygen. You, you need it to survive as a Christian. So today we're going to talk about how, how you can take the oxygen tank with you when you go underwater each week. Um, so when you're faced with temptation, with difficulty, um, you don't drown in despair and despondency. We're going to focus on what does it mean to preach the gospel to yourself. And I, I believe this is so foundational. I think it's essential. And it's my desire that just as prayer, Bible reading, Bible feeding, um, and Christian fellowship should be a part, a regular part of all of our lives, I pray that preaching the gospel to yourself will also become a regular habit, a spiritual discipline. And I pray this not just for you, but for me. I am, I'm right in the middle of, of learning this and trying to implement it. So I hope that you will learn along with me. Can we 
pray before we begin. I pray that God would oxygenate our lungs, if you will, with the gospel today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you for saving us, rescuing us, and for setting us apart, making us holy. Um, And one day, coming to take us home to be with you forever. I pray that you would... um, You would help us to breathe deeply in the gospel today and kind of see just a glimpse of the grandeur of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. For we pray through Christ. Amen. All right, just to give you an idea of where we are headed um, today in this short time that we have, uh, we're going to start talking about who the gospel is for and what the gospel is. Uh, Next, I'm going to try to explain what it means to preach the gospel to yourself, and then we're going to practice it together, finish up with some, well, we might not have time for the reasons why preaching the gospel to yourself is so important. Um, Those are actually in the book that he gives, so we probably won't have time for that. But let's let's just jump in here. Let's start with this question, who is the gospel for? Who is the gospel for? Now, to answer the question, I, I'm going to turn, I'm going to have you turn to the person next to you. See, this is why I told you to sit next to someone. If you don't have someone next to you, then um, Emily, Shamar is over here. You can go join her. Um, so sit next to someone. You're going to turn to them, and you're going to read those verses on your handout under that question. Romans 1, 15 to 16, Romans 16, 25. Those verses are kind of like bookends to Paul's letter to the church at Rome. So read the verses and then talk together about who the gospel is for. I'll give you one minute. Go. No? Do you guys get through the verses? You read them? Who can tell me? Who's the gospel for? Go ahead and shout it out. It's for everyone, right? Let's just put that verses up there on the screen. Okay, good. What else? Oh, I'm giving the answer. Did I underline it? Oh, man, don't look at that. Who's the gospel for? Tell me. It's for everyone, which includes believers. Okay, which includes believers, which includes sinners. Oh, thank you. If you've grown up hearing the phrase, you know, sharing the gospel or evangelizing, you might have concluded, you might be inclined to think that the the gospel is mainly just for unbelievers. The gospel is the good news that we need to share with people who are not Christians. Um, I I think that's kind of what I grew up believing. But Paul certainly, so he, he certainly wants to preach the gospel to unbelievers in Rome. But verse 15 seems to indicate that he desires what? To preach the gospel to the Christians in the church to which he's writing. And this shouldn't surprise us, considering the fact that Paul, he would go on to preach the gospel to other churches in his letters, reminding them of the good news of their salvation. I mean, what is Ephesians 1 to 3? The summation of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that they had received. Colossians 1 and 2. You could probably write those both down, because those are going to be um, key passages in uh, later as, as it relates to preaching the gospel to yourself. Um, in each of those letters, Paul presents these gospel realities um, as the basis for right, for right living. Um, I want to show you one more passage pr- proving that the gospel is for believers, and that's um, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians uh, 15. Uh, in verse 3, Paul includes a very succinct summary of the gospel. We'll talk about it later, about how he was 
died and was buried and rose again. Um, but, but Paul starts the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, with these words in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Paul, he's reminding his brothers in Christ, there in Corinth, of the gospel that he preached to them. A gospel that continues to give them stability, continues to sanctify them. So the first thing that I want you to take away from today is that the gospel is for followers of Christ, not just for unbelievers. Maybe that's not shocking and new for you, but in some ways I think that for me, it was, um, it was not very prominent in my thinking. The gospel is for followers of Jesus Christ. The gospel is like oxygen. So the oxygen that you needed when you were born and you took your very first breath as a baby, it's the same still needed every single day that you live. Gospel is essential for life. C.J. Mahaney in The Cross-Centered Life says, the gospel isn't one class among many that you'll attend during your life as a Christian. The gospel is the whole building that all the classes take place in. Rightly approached, all the topics you'll study and focus on as a believer will be offered to you within the walls of the glorious gospel. I think sometimes Christians have tended to kind of view the gospel like an application process for um, acquiring citizenship. You, know, you take the class, you complete the form, you check the boxes, and you're in. Citizen. But it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's like, it's kind of like a, a the gospel is like a circuit board, you know? A motherboard that's essential for an otherwise lifeless piece of technology to operate. The continued functionality of a piece of technology depends on the coding of that circuit board. And so, too, the gospel determines how we function, how we operate as followers of Jesus. Who is the gospel for? It's for, it's for you and me. It's for sinners in need of a Savior. All right, now that we've talked about the gospel, how the gospel is so central and essential, I think we need to kind of take a step back and talk about what the gospel is. Um, some of you have been part of our evangelism training class on Sunday. We covered this um, a, few, a few weeks ago, uh, so you'll have a head start here. But go ahead and, and take the next few minutes, talk with the person next to you about what the gospel is and why it is. In other words, if the gospel means good news, what is the good news And why is it good news? See if you can trace the gospel through the message of the Bible. And then I'm going to have some of you share with me what you came up with. Okay? What is the gospel? All right. I know you could go on. um, Or maybe some of you are like, please start talking. (laughs) I think I'm done. What is the gospel? Who can tell me? Tell me something about... um, what you discussed, the multifaceted beauty of the gospel. It's also, it could be very simple. What is the gospel? Somebody raise your hand. Tell me. Latifa. The promise of Christ. The promise of Christ. Okay, it's good. That. Hudson. It's the free gift of God to have eternal life in Christ Jesus. The free gift of God to have eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's good. That's good. Tim. It is the good news that we no longer have to be separated from God because of our sin, but through Jesus can be reconciled to him. 
That's good. You spoke that loud enough, so I don't have to repeat it. That's great. The gospel is, is good news. We're not separated from God. We don't have to be. Good. Anything else you want to add to that? Yep. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to, pre- to preach good news to the poor. Mm. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them. You mean you can go to Old Testament to find that? The gospel? Wow, so good. That talks about, somewhat addresses who is the gospel for? Broken, those that are broken and contrite, heart, poor. What else? Anything else? You want to add to that? Daniel? Just talking about the substitution between our sin being taken by Christ and his righteousness being imparted to us. So the good news of, of separation broken down by, by that exchange there. Yes. Substitutionary atonement is key for the gospel. The good news, right? Christ took our place. Good. These are all great answers. It is good to think and to meditate on what the gospel is. This past week, I tried to um, trying to put it down into a um, a drawing that I can kind of encapsulate what the gospel is. And m- maybe it's a good thing that the HDMI didn't work and that I'm not going to actually draw and put that up. I thought that would be kind of cool, um, but then again, it's probably good because my drawing is really awful. So um, I have some slides up here that will walk through what, what I, and this is just, this is beta version, right, of uh, of my... Um, my attempt to kind of consolidate what is what is the gospel. Um, so here's the gospel in five minutes. Uh, if you want to if you want to copy this drawing down for yourself, and then you want to you'd probably be better than mine. And then if you want to add to it or you have ideas, I'd love to to kind of refine it to make to make it better. Um, but this is what this is what I have for it. what is the gospel. This is essential that we understand if we're going to preach it to ourselves and to others. All right, here we go. At its essence, if you distill the gospel down, it's the good news that Jesus Christ was crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Apostle Paul claims that he had a very simple message. He said, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's, that's just the beginning of the good news, though. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4, Paul would add that the gospel message would be, was that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day. So let's go ahead and just add a circle at the foot of the cross that represents the tomb that was rolled away. We can title this God's salvation. However, um, this begs the question, what or who needs to be saved? And that takes us back to the beginning of time. When God created man 
in his image. We're just going to put a dot here to, to the left and label it God's creation. This is the beginning of the story, and it was perfect. God's people living in God's place under God's good authority and protection and provision. God gave Adam and Eve everything that they needed and more, but told them they couldn't eat of the specific tree, and yet they did that. They plunged into sin, just as every person has since. Let's draw a point down lower in between those two points and label it our rebellion. We must label it our, our rebellion because each of us have chosen that same path. Romans 5.12 says, Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all of sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've broken God's law, thereby rejected him as authority. And the trajectory of that is eternal separation from God. Just punishment for our sins in hell. Romans 6.23. And yet, that is where the cross comes in. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us, meaning that he died in our place, substitute taking our sin while giving us his righteousness. And not only that, Ephesians 1.20 says that God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He's a living savior. In addition to securing our salvation from sins, he secured us life after death in God's presence. And that brings us to, I would say, the, the future of the gospel. Let's add a point over here to the right of the cross, which we'll title God's um, Restoration. The words here, they could be different, and I'm open to suggestions. Um, You could use a number of different words for these different titles. But this is the good news that Jesus will one day return and restore his creation and make things new again. Revelation 21, 1-4 speaks of new heavens, new earth. God's creation will be restored. Our relationship in God's presence will be restored. Our bodies will be restored, made new. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. And, but that leaves us with this question. How do we end up over here at God's restoration? How do we benefit from God's salvation and stop our downward trajectory because of our sin? That is where our final point comes in down here in below in between God's salvation and God's restoration. And this point we call, we just call our response um, through repentance and faith. Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. X in 3.19, repent therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out. We repent by turning from our sin and rebellion and putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And so Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says that our salvation is, is a gift it's by faith. It's not by works. Now, if I connect the dots there, um, it makes this large W, which um, I'm hoping here would turn into a crown, uh, which stands for God's, God's kingdom that is everlasting. This whole drawing is the gospel of the kingdom, God's eternal rule. This is the good news of creation and salvation and restoration. It's pointed towards and prophesied through the Old Testament. This is the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God demonstrated his love in sending his son to transfer us from, what? The kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. And this is all for the glory of God. 
Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. If I were to put this umbrella over the whole thing, I would label that umbrella God's glory because God's gospel is glorious. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will they existed and were created. All right, there we go. There's my attempt at trying to bring the gospel into one little drawing. And I'm sure I've left certain things out, and I would love for your um, input to add to that. But I'm trying to just grasp the, the magnitude of the gospel um, in an easy-to-remember form. Now that we've taken time to talk about the message of the gospel as revealed in the Bible, let's just spend the rest of our time here talking about what it means to preach the gospel to ourselves. What is preaching the gospel to yourself? First of all, where does the expression even come from? Um, I mean, it's, I think it's biblical. Uh, you have even David, right? The psalmist, why are you disquieted soul? Than me. So preaching to yourself about the truth of God's steadfast love and salvation. Um, but I, I think Jerry Bridges, um, the author of many books, including The Pursuit of Holiness, um, was one that kind of started using this phrase in, in his books, kind of caught on. Um, it's actually credited, he credited the phrase to a friend of his, Dr. Jack Miller. In um, one of his books, Gospel Driven Sanctification, Bridges writes this. He says, to use an expression, we must preach the gospel to ourselves every day. For me, that means I keep going back to the scriptures, such as Isaiah 53, 6, Galatians 2, 20, Romans 8, 1. It means I frequently repeat the words from an old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He goes into more detail in his book, um, Respectable Sins. Um, he says, since the gospel is only for sinners, I begin each day with the realization that despite my being a saint, I still sin every day in thought, word, deed, and motive. If I'm aware of any subtle or not so subtle sins in my life, I acknowledge those to God. Even my conscience, if my conscience is not indicting me for con conscious sins, I still acknowledge to God that I've not even come close to loving him with all my being or loving my neighbor as myself. I repent of those sins, and then I apply specific scriptures that assure me of God's forgiveness to those sins that I've just confessed. I then generalize the scriptures' promises of God's forgiveness to all of my life and say to God words to the effect that my only hope of a right standing with him that that day is Jesus' blood shed for my sins. His righteous life lived on my behalf. This reliance on the twofold work of Christ for me is beautifully captured by Edward Moten as him, the solid rock, with his words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Almost every day, I find myself going to those words in addition to reflecting on the promises of forgiveness in the Bible. He goes on there in Respectable Sins to, um, to list a number of passages on uh, forgiveness of sins that he uses to preach the gospel to himself when he finds himself in sin or just asking God to forgive him of sin. I've included some of those references at the bottom of your handout there on the back. Um, and we'll get to those in a moment. Um, well, what Milton Vincent does in his gospel primer, and what I like to do today, um, is to kind of broaden the scope, um, give you a list of passages that address all different parts of our you know, gospel drawing. Um, not just those 
that would fall under the cross. I've given you a list of passages there in the back of your handout. Um, what I would like you to do is, is to read them and identify, first of all, I want you to kind of identify the aspect of the gospel, aspect or aspects of the gospel that they address. So it's, that's God's creation, um, his, and his glory in creation, um, whether it's God's salvation, his redemption, whether it's his restoration looking to the future glory, um, whether it's his kingdom. So identify what aspect of the gospel is this verse addressing, and then consider what is the good news. So let me just give you an example, and then I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to do it. So first passage there in their handout is James 1, 17 to 18. It says, every good gift, every perfect gift, do I have that up here? Yeah, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know, in some ways, this, this could probably be talking about um, multiple aspects of that gospel drawing, right? Um, so he could be talking about God as creator, as a sustainer who gives us everything to enjoy. Um, it certainly addresses God as Savior, who gave us new life through Christ, who is the word of truth made flesh. And then there's a, even this reference to, kind of a reference to the future restoration, as it mentions us as first fruits of his creatures. So how do, the, how do I preach the gospel to myself? As I look at this verse, I can remind myself that God always gives his children good gifts. He's always been that way. He gave his only son as the perfect gift so that we could be born again. And he, he will never change, this verse says. Do you see how that would be important to preach to myself if my car just broke down or just got laid off my job? Or if I'm wondering if, if God has given me something bad? The Father of Lights doesn't give bad gifts to his children. Let's just take another example. Next passage, Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, this, this directly addresses that center above the cross, God's salvation, that aspect of the gospel. And how do I preach the gospel to myself? I can remind myself that God... He did not save me because I'm strong or good while we were still weak. He died for me when I was lost in sin. And that means when I feel like I'm stuck in sin, when you feel like God could never love you because of what you are doing, he doesn't wait for us to get strong, to get our act together. He took the initiative he died for sinners. See how powerful these gospel truths can be for us each and every day. I want to give you a few minutes to read through a few passages on the back of your handout. Just talk with the person next to you about what is good news for you, according to those verses. What is the gospel for you? 
and then we'll come back and you can share some of what you've learned together. So would God help us now to, to learn how to preach these gospel truths to ourselves and to one another. I'm going to give you a few minutes to read those passages. You probably won't be able to read them all, so just pick one there. Together, read the passage, talk about what aspect of the gospel is addressed there, and then what is the good news for you? All right, go ahead. All right, as we wrap up here, who would like to share with me the good news that you are preaching, going out from here, preaching to yourself? What is the good news as, it, as you discovered there in those verses? Go and shout it out. Yolanda. You're no longer enslaved to sin. Good. What else? What's the good news? What does it mean? Luke? Christ as our advocate. He's our advocate. And what does that mean for you? It gives you assurance. Good. Anything else? Do you meditate on gospel truth here? Monica. Uh, the last one, First Peter. Yep. Um, it's super comforting for me to know that my salvation is being guarded by God. Hmm. All I have to do is believe. I don't have to add a single thing to my daily checklist. Yeah. Guarded. That's good. Salvation is guarded by God. Secure. Anyone else? I saw another hand. Latifa. Um, because of what Monica referred to, the inheritance that is imperishable through um, our salvation, the living hope, yeah. therefore we can rejoice in trials because we are secure in the eternal hope of promise. Yes. So you're looking at that picture, you're looking far off to this hope of a future restoration when he makes all things new, and you're saying, that helps me now as I suffer. I can actually rejoice. Yeah, what else, Chris? Way, way off to the right again, um, from Romans 8, um, you're being conformed yeah. to Second Corinthians three eighteen. It's conforming us to the image of his dear son. Wow. That's good. Do you see how powerful these gospel truths can be for us? Um I hope I hope that was uplifting for you. Hopefully can, you'll continue. Let me encourage you to keep doing this. Keep gazing at the gospel, as it were. As Mahaney says, never be content with your current grasp of the gospel. The gospel is life-permeating, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than a diamond, and its depths man will never exhaust. We'll skip the um, 
the reasons to preach the gospel to yourself. Um, if I'd encourage you to to pick up a couple a, a couple a, a couple copies a a, co- a copy of um, Milton Vincent's A Gospel Primer. I actually have two of these little booklets. The booklets are like a couple bucks. Um, if you want one of these, um, or if you want me to to maybe I could purchase a couple of them and save on shipping. Um, this 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 small version includes just the kind of Milton Vincent's meditations on the gospel with all scripture to support it. And so um, the, the book includes reasons for, for preaching the gospel to yourself and also this like poetic version of, of the gospel. Um, but this is a real key, is a really valuable resource, golden little booklet that you could just keep, keep close by to be able to, to keep in front of you to meditate on. And I pray that God would help us do that. I pray that God would help me to do that every day. Let's pray that God would help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the the gospel is the power of God, salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel reminds us of our rest in Christ's righteousness, gives us perspective in trials, stimulates love for others, and gives us a heart for the lost. It cultivates humility and liberates us from self-love. It gives us a hope for heaven. And God, I pray that you will <clears throat> you will use your word in our hearts this week. You will use your gospel to, to strengthen us, that we may stand firm and remain faithful to you. And when we do fall, that we would be reminded of your, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're forgiven, cleansed. So help us now to walk in the spirit as we go out from here. Thank you for this time together around your word. For we pray in your name, amen. Amen, have a wonderful week. You're dismissed.